Well, hello, folks, and welcome to We the Peeps. This is the American soccer podcast in which you are going to get to know everything that you need to know about the USMNT. I'm Clayton, and I'm an artist. I'm Ty. I'm an entrepreneur. And do we let a net? It's we the peeps. It's we the peeps. Welcome to we the peeps. Are you ready for we the peeps? Holy moly, it's we the peeps. The game will be USA versus Iran. It is time. Let's get it poppin'. Group stage, game three. No backsies, y'all, of the World Cup. Let's get into oh it. We've gathered here today to discuss what could be our, our final uh, World Cup game in this cycle. Absolutely a possibility. And what could be uh, the beginning of, of a long run. Who knows? The future is in our hands, uh, but and yet we cannot predict it. We cannot say how this will go, Ty. How you how you holding up over there? I have a sense of peace around the whole situation. I think it lines up very poetically where... This is a winnable game for the U.S., but it's going to be a tough one. We know Iran is a strong opponent, but it's the kind of opponent where if we can't beat them, then we don't deserve to make a, a, a strong run in the tournament. And I feel that the U.S. has already proven that they're at a high level, that they belong on this stage, that this generation is going to do great things. So, you know, win, lose, or, lose or draw, I feel like we can look back at this tournament with pride at how the, the, the team played. And I think the odds are in our favor, and um, God bless the Yanks. Let's fucking go, boys. God bless the Yanks. Before we get into the nitty-gritty with the USMNT versus Iran, I want to take us around the Copa. When last we spoke, the U.S. had just come off of a nil-nil draw, a dramatic, historic, memory-making nil-nil draw in America versus England. Epic. Revolutionary. <laughs> Revolutionary. <laughs> no, no. Uh, and since then, we've seen a bunch of games. So as we record, we are halfway through Sunday. So there's been six games since the last U.S. game. Highlights include Lewandowski finally getting his first goal in a World Cup for Poland to go above Saudi Arabia. Uh, fantastic for the W. I know Ty had some warm and fuzzies about that one. And then another uh, perhaps Ty warm and fuzzies uh, result here is is Messi and Argentina going above Mexico uh, yesterday. Messi with a goal and an assist. Fantastic. And then the third standout result uh, here is Morocco 2-0. The U.S.'s warm-up, Morocco 2-0 over Belgium. Uh, Ty, what stood out to you in the wow. past? <laughs> wow, dog. Uh, very dramatic uh, late two goals. Uh, for Morocco in this one. Fantastic game. Or, well, fantastic ending to a boring uh, Belgium poorly played game. Ty, what stands out to you about these uh, this little cluster of group stage games? Tournaments tend towards being about order or being about chaos, depending on the context. And clearly, we are living in a chaos World Cup. And long may it continue. I it's hope the Chaopticon. Surprise round of 16 teams. I hope for surprise... 
uh, semi-finalist. I hope for a, a shock finalist and maybe a first-time winner. That would be absolutely fantastic. Uh, a first-time winner would be stupendous. Um, I chose to gloss over Japan losing to Costa Rica earlier this morning. Yeah, what else? Uh, sad showing there. Fine, fine, fine. Um, Who's your favorite as this develops? It's a, it's a never-ending story. I also hope that there can be a um, a first-time winner. I think that actually, let me ask it this way: Who do you think is most likely in this tournament to be a first-time winner? Well, hmm. Let me think. As of now, I guess I don't know. Maybe the U.S. I don't know. I guess yeah, the U.S. The U.S. is as likely as any of the outsider teams to uh, to make a deep shock run. Um, I thought that Denmark came into the tournament looking quite strong, and they could have had a chance. Obviously, they made the semis of the European Championship um, last summer. They've they struggled a little bit against France. weren't really able to keep any control of the game and ultimately got undone by Mbappe. But, you know, it's a close game against one of the top two or three teams. So I think, uh, you know, it'd be cool to see them advance and and make a run. Uh, so, yeah, let's go with them. Let's go with the Danes. And then I think that, that the U.S. does have a shot in this tournament to beat Iran, go into a knockout game maybe against Ecuador or the Netherlands, get past that team and and really make make some waves in this tournament. The Nats, the Nats will play against Iran. And I'm wondering how Iran has been doing. <laughs> wow, that's beautiful. Um, Iran has been good as, as expected. They lost heavily to England in the first game, as been discussed on this air. Um you know, didn't play well, but did find, uh, you know, two more goals against England than the U.S. did. And uh, clearly showed that they have the the talent to compete at this level, um, particularly in attack. Um, and then came out against Wales and, and shockingly were able to beat Wales. The game looked like it was destined to go to a draw. Uh, and then Wayne Hennessy managed to get himself sent off, not on a denial of goal scoring opportunity not a dog so situation but a regular bruising foul in the middle of the, the rare field. the All rare there. yeah keeper not goal scoring opportunity no, right yeah non dog so wow. clattering yeah uh and Wayne Hennessy gets sent off for a high leg basically um and that changed the changed the tide of the game and Iran was able to find a very late uh winner and even a second goal so, so, mm -hmm. so they they've they're clearly at uh, you know the the level that we thought they would be as as one of the top Asian teams. Asian teams in general have overperformed. I feel at this World Cup, yeah. um, the Muslim countries, Islamic countries, have done better than expected, as you would perhaps anticipate. And uh, and I think Iran will come into this with a lot of confidence that they can come out and beat the U.S. Uh, in a, you know, not necessarily friendly, but friendlier environment than um, in many parts of the world. It's an interesting setup for uh, many, many reasons. And I wonder if before we get into the tactics on the field and uh, such, uh, if you could give us a little bit of context around 
what uh, this Iran national team, what the Iranian national team players might be going through outside the game. I'm hearing a lot of stuff, but to be totally honest, I, I don't have a clear vision in my head of, of what the situation is. Yeah, so to start, you know, historically with the relationship between Iran and the U.S., um, Iran was kind of a par- a fringe participant in the Allied victory in World War II, and then became a part of the kind of Cold War breakup of the uh, of the Allies into different factions that led into essentially, you know, really bleeds still into the present day in terms of tension conflict between the West and uh, and Russia. And it, within that process, Iran went from being a, a hopeful, prospective, secular, Western-aligned state to being a theocracy run by a you know, supreme leader who enforces very strict religious codes and laws on the people of Iran. And that was a, a revolution that maybe was popular or maybe was more of a, you know, fringe that managed to take power. But it's clear that particularly in the modern era, that the uh, the people of Iran, particularly the young people of Iran, are much more aligned with the West in terms of values and in terms of the expectations that they have for how they want to lead their lives. Hmm. So, you know, one main uh, pillar of that are women's rights. And in Iran, women do not have the same rights as men. There's systemic oppression of women. And a symbol of that are uh, morality laws under which women are forced to wear the hijab in public. And if they don't wear the hijab properly, that, that is considered a crime. So recently, a woman named Masa Amini was arrested by this this um, you know heinous morality police and was beaten and killed uh, in the aftermath of her arrest. So this sparked widespread protests throughout the country, particularly with young people, but really among the entire populace. And you know it's just one of a string of uh, of popular uprisings that have happened as the Iranian people have become more connected to the rest of the world and more Western aligned in values. And I believe that we are seeing the slow end of the regime uh, as we are seeing the slow end of theocracy everywhere in the world. But in the meantime, it's bloody, it's painful, it's, uh, it's scary. And the, the team has come into the World Cup under this shadow where they are representing a nation of people with whom they strongly identify and support, but they are also representing a regime and a, a you know symbolism of a nationalistic uh, identity that they don't necessarily align with. And so you saw the team sing the, not sing the national anthem in the first game. You saw someone, I think you mentioned, try to take a knee or I saw yeah in that first game I saw one player take a knee it was kind of uh, versus England but it didn't get full buy-in it was a weird moment yeah yeah so and then in the second game the team did sing the national anthem the fans have at times booed the national anthem um and then coming into this game well and sorry one last side note there is that 
when it comes to particularly playing the U.S., you know, not only it, does the U.S. government explicitly support the protesters, and I'm sure in many, uh, you know, fair and unfair ways, literally support the protest movement because we're not aligned with the regime. Um, the the Iranian government supports Russia's war in Ukraine, which is a horrific act of barbarism that is counter to all fundamental human rights. Uh, the regime literally shot down a Ukrainian civilian plane several years ago by accident. Um, Iran is providing, you know, uh, materiel and intelligence and support to the Russian military. And so you are seeing as close as you can get, really, to two current warring combatants playing in a World Cup. Um, obviously, the war on its surface is between Ukraine and Russia, but everyone knows that the Ukrainian side is backed by NATO. The United States is the leader of NATO, and that Iran is now an, a part of this kind of uh, troika of, well, it's even more than that. It's it's a it's a set of of nations who have chosen to stand against uh, against freedom and against democracy and against self determination of people, and it is a real factor in a. Uh, in a conflict like this. So I think when I'm uh, looking at this game, it, it does scare me a little bit because there are like real political implications to this. Um, I bet that Biden and Tony Blinken and the rest of the U.S. national security um, establishment are in touch with the coaching staff of the U.S. about this game, about the conduct of our players, um, about the signals that can be sent uh from our federation, um, and there are real geopolitical implications to this, and it would be a actual, it would be actually be damaging to our our um, our standing in the world if the U.S. were to lose this game, and that's just not the case with most uh, with most sporting events. So it's it's a truly truly unique event for the U.S. to play in such a high stakes environment, both on the field and with the implications off the field. Oh my God. I have never learned so much in such a short amount of time. Ty, thank you for that. Even though it's just... Bra, I'm sure. Bra, bra. <laughs> um, it's intense, man. And you have to imagine that all of this is weighing on the players. It makes me think as well that I think Ukraine themselves was not far off from qualifying for the World Cup, which would have been a story. Yeah, Ukraine could have had Wales' spot. That would have been a thing. That would have been absolutely epic. So yeah, it's uh, it's spicy to say the least. It's spicy and I think, to say um, the least. It is it's stacking up to be a truly historic USMNT game, and perhaps a historic USA day. Uh, which this rarely be. rarely does covering this soccer team, um, kind of crescendo into that level of uh, relevance. Yeah, geopolitical intrigue. But yeah, this could be one of the most famous victories in the history of the program. Just, just Let's just say they have a straightforward 2-0 two, two win. That's a low bar. That would already be one of the top five results in the history of the program. Um, or if the U.S. were to lose, it would be maybe the worst loss, worst single loss in the history of the U.S. program. 
The stakes is high, Ty. How do we take this one home? I, I love the joke last episode about we're already in the knockout stages because we got to win. We have to win. Knockout stages begins on Tuesday for the U.S. Um, and I'm wondering uh, what you think we can do either tactically or personnel-wise to give us the edge. So I expect that Iran will set up to look for the draw because the draw, it does not guarantee that they go through, but if they assume that uh, England will beat Wales, then a draw would be enough to get them through to the knockouts. So I think that they their, their tactics will be oriented towards uh, playing a deep block. In qualifying, they their defense tended to be quite good. They rarely gave up, um, you know, big, big margins, even against the, the big teams, your South Korea's and Japan's and all the rest. So I expect that they'll be able to do that. Um, they may, the, the very best thing that could happen for the U.S. would be some sort of early Wales goal where. Oh, then uh, this the is Iran maybe team... a good time to pause and say that uh, this next round of games, this third round of group stage games will take place simultaneously. So yes. the U.S. will be playing Iran at the same time as Wales versus England because otherwise whoever plays second, it, the games get all weird and wonky because they know everything. Exactly. So yeah, it's a huge advantage to go second if the games aren't simultaneous. So you will see the dynamic on the field shift with the results in the other game, which is really cool. Um, if England, you know, as expected, managed to open up that big lead, you'll see Iran retreat further and further into uh, defensive posture. But I think, you know, what we have seen going forward from Iran in terms of quick movements and the ability to to make something happen with a, a small attacking force makes me pretty afraid because I think the U.S. in pursuit of a goal will definitely be pouring numbers forward and will be very vulnerable to a counter. And Iran has been very quick and very um, very precise a lot of the time in putting together some of these moves. So I think yeah. that uh, the U.S. will have to be very, very careful about overcommitting on some of our attacks and finding the right balance between pressure and protection. And uh, I think I the numbers that I'm seeing are not so favorable to the U.S., but I just have to think that with the talent that the U.S. has, that we have enough to find a goal or two and close up shop at the back and, and get through this thing. So I, I do consider us favorites still to go ahead um, and move on from this group, but it's going to be, you know, by no means easy. It was, this will be as, as difficult a match as we had against Wales and England uh, even more so, not because of the talent that we're facing, but because of the dynamic of the circumstances combined with the, you know, political implications combined with the pressure of knowing that this is our one last moment to make it through this group. Yeah, it's huge. Expect this Iran team to play with a lot of courage. Uh, when they defeated Wales, it was a totally different look than the, the the way they came out versus England in that first game. And remember, they put two up on England, which we did not. We did not do that. Uh, so this is a, a strong attacking side. Uh, once again, I'm hoping for 
a shootout here. And I feel like I was hoping for that versus England, hoping and expecting, and it didn't quite happen. But I'm gonna I'm gonna go in on that one again because I really think these two teams both have a lot of goals in them, and I'm hoping to see like a three-four win stunner. You know, Weston McKenney from distance for that fourth goal, uh, and the U.S. go ahead to the elimination rounds. Yeah, and I mean, that's a totally realistic outcome if you have that Wales goal. So if let's say Wales scores early, Iran has to win. And so that they're going to open up. And I think if Iran plays open, it's going to end up being like the England game, but with us being a worse England. So then you you end up with a 4-3 or something something crazy and awesome like that. Oh. So I, I sure hope so, because I love that shit. I live for it. Uh, and you know, I want, I would love to see goals, but this is one of those where I don't give a fuck how we get there. I don't care if we're we're hip thrusting balls over the line. I don't care if it's <laughs> if it's set piece after set piece. I don't I I don't care if it's an own goal and we play like shit. I don't care. I just desperately, desperately want the U.S. to get through this game, and I want to see my team play in a knockout game and i think this generation and this team and the effort that they've put into this tournament deserves that i think they're one of the best 16 teams at the tournament easily and they just they should go through and um i will be crushed if that doesn't happen on tuesday afternoon let's find out let's find out ty i think we're gonna see greg holt burhalter greg herbalter uh start <laughs> egg burgalter <laughs> egg bramalda is, is gonna boy. start is gonna start uh, a similar lineup i don't think he's in a rotation mindset um and i'm not sure if he should be but what about you ty would you rotate here would you would you change up the lineup um i would maybe consider some fatigue rotations but keeping those original first choice starters as as quick subs um or employing my my super starter method that we discussed. Sure, sure, uh, sure, last sure, time. sure, 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 sure. Um, some names from the last game that I would definitely consider replacing. I think Haji Wright did his best, but he's he's a limited player playing in a role that is cursed for this team. Um, I think it's cursed partially because of the talent we've had, the number nine position, but also because of the system that we play and the qualities of the other attackers. I just don't think this team uses a nine that well. And we've been trying for four years to just, you know, feed a striker and have them convert a lot of these chances that the, you know, brilliant young attackers can put together, but it just never seems to click. So I feel like it's time to kind of give up on that idea altogether and play somebody like Gio or Wea at the nine, who is basically just like a false, false nine, extra midfielder, and then kind of rotate who ends up being that um, striker. Uh, and I'll, the the other benefit to that is that when you play a bunkery team, you don't want to play players who have static positional assignments because that allows the opposition to set up ideally with numbers to handle the static positions that you're taking. What you want to do is play players who are more versatile and flexible so that the team can shift towards the areas of weakness in the opposing defense. So if we notice that um, that Iran is playing a very deep line, that we're able to operate more in the half spaces between the lines. If we notice that Iran is overloading one side, we can go to the other side. And I think playing a more 
you know, flexible nine, even someone like Jesus Ferreira, who I'm, everybody knows I'm not a fan of, I think would be a better choice than someone like Haji Wright. Um, I would, uh, and then, I, I would also throw out there Yunus Musa, who I, I know him. I know, I love him, but first two games, not quite seeming to click here for Yunus Musa. And I think Brendan Aronson deserves a chance. I like, I, I think I really like both of them in this game and I would find a way to get them both in the, in the lineup. Um, I think this is a game where we could consider, I don't know. I was going to say we could consider not having Weston or Adams, but that's probably foolish. Adams is foolish. Weston. Uh, I just feel I like this go, is a. I would go Adams, Weston, Aronson in the midfield for the. Also, in the same way that I I was kind of against Musa starting against England, I feel like this is a great spot for Musa where the Iran team is going to be basically an obstacle course for the U.S. to find a way through, and there's nobody on the team who's better at weaving through that obstacle course than Yunus Musa. But I just haven't seen it from him in this tournament. I, and so at a certain point, it's, yes, we know who Yunus Musa can be, but who's actually showing up to these very, very brief windows of opportunity, you know, this one week in history. And I just, from the minutes I've seen from Aronson, I think Aronson's more alive to it. That's fair, and I think that's that's a reasonable way to go. And then you can kind of wait and see how the game is playing out. And if it, it, it could be a game where Adams ends up being underutilized because if Iran sets up truly deep, or if England goes up really early and, and Iran is basically in like an eight-two formation, then Adams is not going to be that useful. Adams yeah. doesn't break lines very well. He he will be the absolute best person on the team to stop counters. Um, to to man mark off set pieces and break up potential counters before they even happen, that kind of thing. But if if it doesn't feel like that threat is on from Iran, then it would make sense to potentially take him off later in the game and put on a more attacking minded um, midfielder. I just had a brief daydream to a thirty year old Tyler Adams anchoring a back three in a situation like this. Ugh. Sure. Yeah. I, I mean, you that. could see like a Michael Bradley turn from Adams where over time he just kind of gets more and more committed to his defensive duty, you know, um, and eventually starts splitting the center backs more and more. Something we, we used to see a lot from this U S team haven't really seen much of in this tournament. And I, I actually, you know what, I actually would really like to see more of that in this particular game where, you know, especially with our two fullbacks that the, the counter stopping team is the two center backs and Adams uh, as a three. And then we have seven guys trying to attack. Awesome. Uh, um, one one yes. last potential, you know, concern replacement thought is Zimmerman. Ah, yes. Reem, okay, talk Reem has to me. Looked talk great. to me. Reem has looked great. So going into the tournament, we thought Zimmerman's number one. We thought the battle for number two is wide open. It turns out Reem kind of won that battle at the last minute to be the, the starter next to Zimmerman. But Reem has outperformed Zimmerman. And Zimmerman has looked shaky and kind of overwhelmed and outmatched at times against this level of opposition. He's the only MLS guy in the starting lineup. And that shows. So the question is, would we actually in this match be better off with 
you know, first of all, just generically, a different center back, would a different center back be able to outperform Zimmerman in this context? And then secondly, tactically, if we think about the setup that we're going to have, do we have somebody uh, in, in our back pocket who would contribute more in this type of dynamic? Of CCV! CCV comes to mind. Um, CCV's I think he's, you playing know, CCV, in Europe. Yeah, he's he's played uh, a lot of low blocks. You know, every time Celtic, almost every time Celtic goes out in Scotland, they're expected to win. They're expected to be on the front foot. Uh, not the same for Nashville SC. Um, so I I feel like that could help. And his professionalism and his quickness and his ability to read the game. He's also got uh, great I think feet. Is at a higher level. Great, great feet, feet, way very, better feet very than self assured. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, and it, it, this is like another great reason to not bring Aaron Long is that like there's just really no situation where you're like, oh yeah, this well, is the, the Aaron Long. The problem moment, with the you know? yeah, the problem with the Aaron Long take was like we've already got Zimmerman, you know. So right, if Zimmerman's right, right. not working out. You're not going to trust Long to work out off the bench. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, I didn't exactly. see that coming really. Exactly, and I you know I don't expect that Greg will notice this care. Yeah. Whatever, and I think he's, he's and, just going to go with this thing. But and, I, I, I would strongly consider a switch at this point. And a quick shout out to, um, uh, to both uh, Miles Robinson, as well as uh, the other one. Uh, what's the other? Des? Uh, Chris Richards. Chris Richards. <laughs> oh, Chris Richards. Who are not oh, with us? Oh, I think uh, both sorry. due to to sad sad injury, and and wouldn't you just break glass in case of emergency for a Chris Richards or a Miles Robinson right now. Yeah, I mean, Chris Richards kind of played himself out. Miles Robinson, I feel, would definitely be a great replacement for Zimmerman in this type of situation. Um, so that that is a loss. But I, you know, my, my expectation is certainly that they trot out uh, Reem Zimmerman again, especially given the ability of both to break lines with with passes from deep. Um, so I don't know. We'll, we'll have to, we'll have to trust that well, uh, Zimmerman can find his way in this tournament, but yeah, it, it is dicey. It's dicey. And the other thing is we also need to see these U S stars, uh, kind of seize the moment when they have the momentum and put one or two away that, that, that needs to happen there. You can't exp- I think it's a totally fair ask for this generation of forwards to be able to make up in talent for the 1.5 mistakes we are going to get from Zimmerman in the back. Just give them like 0.75 yes, yes. goals for the Zimmerman mistakes and expect Pulisic and, you know, uh, you know, hopefully Gio and Tim Weah and uh, Wesson McKenney to figure it out. You guys have it in you to, to be better than yeah. that, to overcome Yeah, that. and if you look back, if you look back at the first two games, I mean, between, you know, in 180 minutes against Wales and England, two good European teams, you know, one good, one elite, uh, the U.S. gave up one goal. So I don't think you can really say that the defense has been the problem for the U.S., even though Zimmerman has looked shaky. Um, you know, that's that's a team effort as well. Uh, Adams probably being the main contributor, but you have to think that's, that's satisfactory and you take that. So the way that the U.S. is going to do well and progress in this tournament is if the US, if the offense starts to actually click, which it really hasn't yet. All right, Ty, anything else to say on USA versus Iran? It all comes down to this. It's delicious. I think the one thing I would want to say is 
to tell, tell your friends, you know, try to host people at your house, make sure people know about this game, wear your Jersey. These are the moments that become folklore, you know, and it is high risk because if the U S does lose this game, it's going to set the program back. It's going to set the country back in our international standing. So I feel like now's the time for any of us who really care about this team and this program to, to prove it by being that force within the rest of our lives that spreads the word about how incredible this group of young men is, how well they represent our country, and to make a little bit of a gamble ourselves and put our faith in them that they're going to deliver on Tuesday, that they're going to find a way to find a historic win and avoid a, a tragic, epic, historic defeat. The, the stakes can't be higher. And this is what we live for, baby. Let's go. Let's go, boys. Let's fucking go, boys. Yeah. yeah. I love a well-played nil-nil draw. I love a blowout. But I don't love any of that shit as much as I love a late Morocco winner. <laughs> Let's go, boys. <laughs> Chaos! Here we go! It's We The People. It's We The Peeps. Welcome to We The Peeps. Are you ready for We The Peeps? Holy moly, it's We The Peeps.